The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. your attention this morning. Thank you, Meg. Invite your attention this morning to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, we'll be in the book of John for today as we uh, conclude a three-week series. We've been in the, uh, well, the last two weeks. This will be the third week of Ask the Pastor Questions, and these are questions that you, the congregation, real breathing people, have submitted to us and uh, that we have taken note of and helped answer. And, and just before we move on, I just want to say that, uh, you know, as we go through these sermon series, uh, I, I know it's very typical at least it is for me when I hear sermons and say, you know, I like this sermon, I don't like that sermon. You know, I would encourage you, uh, Tara, just as a way of reminder this morning as I was thinking, you know, every sermon we give has truth in it. And this is going to be more of one of those truths that is a, it's a cold, hard fact to Christianity. And it's easy for your, your, your mind to say, that's great, that's great, that's great, but your heart to be as cold as stone. So as you listen, would you pray that your heart and your mind by God's Spirit, would cooperate together however God does that and would warm it both ways because truth is practical. Truth is very, very practical. And, you know, last week we beat up on the guys. If you were here, you haven't listened to that message. Uh, guys, happy Father's Day. You can listen to the sermon online. Uh, but uh, today we're asking a very real question, one that many of you already know the answer to. You look at the slide behind me, it says, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? And congregation, what's the answer? Yes. I, let's go home, right? Amen. But why is he the only way to heaven? And that's why I want to encourage you as we go through every sermon here, whether it's through a book, verse by verse, whether it's topical like we've done the last few months, just know it's God's truth. And God's truth can apply any part of your life wherever it is. You may never know what God may do with a piece of that truth. So great question that came out uh, from one of us in congregation. And next week, uh, my friend Tom Hall, Pastor Tom Hall, will be here preaching, uh, be taking a week off after VBS and, and everything else. Uh, Tom's going to be doing also a training that you're welcome to join us with on June 30th. That's a Thursday. And Darlene, we don't need any food for that day. Amen. And Darlene said amen. Uh, but on June 30th, we're going to do an evangelism training here at the church from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pastors from the area are welcome to come. Lay people are welcome to come. Uh, just come and join us as we uh, learn how to better share our faith in these times. Uh, but Pastor Tom Hall will be preaching, and then afterwards, the church fellowship after that time. You know, but I don't know if you've ever thought of this question, what, or if anyone's ever asked you this before, but what makes you think you have the market or the monopoly as a Christian on the way to heaven? you've ever thought about that. Some of you play Monopoly and you're always like me, you're out the first round because you hit boardwalk and you're gone. But how do we have it better than Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, whatever? Because these are questions we have to answer. It is very narrow-minded in today's society to stand up and say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, people are okay with it if you just say, oh, you believe in Jesus and you love Jesus. Isn't that so great? That's glorious, great, good for you. But when you bring up this verse that we're going to study today, John 14, 6, it's like, a, it's like the claws come out. It really is. And the claws start scratching and clawing because it really goes back to who we are. I remember in college, I had an English professor 
uh, who's long since retired, but this English professor was very hostile to Christianity, and he never missed a chance to make fun of Christians. And so one day, I, he asked this question. He said, how many of you all believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And she, her eye, his eyes, rather, were looking straight at me, and he says, Mr. Smith, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Well, what a question to have in front of the class, right? And you're caught between a rock and a hard place because you, you get the wrath from him if you don't say what he wants to hear, and you get those awkward stares and that weird vibe feeling from people in the room. Anyone else been there before? And you know what I'm talking about. But if I don't say the truth, I'm guilty of treason before the King of Kings. Really, I am. So I mumbled, yes, sir, I do believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. He went postal. He went off the cuff. He said, he, he literally started throwing things. You can ask good friends that were in this class. He said, you are, that's the most narrow-minded, bigoted thing I've ever heard a student say. And all the students, I was in the back row, of course, and all the students did that thing they do in movies, you know? And they got that scowl on their face. Are you serious? What? And, and he stomped out of the room. And he said, he said, I just need a few minutes. Class dismissed. And as I was walking out, he walked up and he apologized. He said, I don't mean to be rude. But he said, don't mean to be rude. You threw things, man. Come on. But do you really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? I said, yes, sir, I do. I really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And he said, do you believe Jesus could be one way to heaven? I said, no, I'm sorry. I do not believe that. I, he said, that's still the most narrow-minded. How can you say that you have the market of truth on who gets to go to heaven? I don't remember what I said. I wrote it better than I probably said it, but I said something to this effect. I said, I've been convinced that this is the Son of God, and nothing more foundational than he is the Son of God has to be true, and I believe Jesus is the only way. It would be arrogant if that was just my thinking, but friends, and especially this man, that is what Jesus himself said. If I deny that, then I really deny him. I ended up getting an A in that class, praise the Lord, but it was by the skin of my teeth. And every time I walked across campus for four years, I got that weird feeling this guy was going to hunt me down and, I don't know, scout me or something. It was bad because of the truth. Friends, we have no greater point pressure in our society today by our friends, our community, our coworkers than that. It's, it's difficult to believe in one God these days. It's difficult to believe in the only God. It's difficult to believe in only one way. Because people say, believe what you want to believe as long as you're sincere. Believe what you want to unless you insist it's someone else's belief. You can love Jesus, no one will think bad of you, but if you take it a step further, we're done with you. It's what the society says. I think the greatest challenge, church, that we have as we answer this question is that we look to win people in a winsome way and joyously defend and celebrate the uniqueness that is Jesus Christ. Look, what I'm telling you right here, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's pretty easy to understand, right? It's like saying, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's saying something simple everyone understands, but it's hard to swallow. It is hard to swallow. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to swallow. Why? Because we hate that truth. Naturally, we hate that truth. When someone comes up and, you know, we joke about, I joke about sports teams. Some of you guys are like, if he's going to be here 20 years, we got to get some better jokes around here. It's true. We joke about sports teams all the time, but how often do we say, no, this is the only team, this is the best team, or this is the best food, or this is the best thing, but how often do we stand up for our God and say, no, this is the only one, the only way? Friends, every other religion ends in destruction. Every other religion. And what we are going to look at is a speaker who was Christ, and the place was the upper room 
the time was the night before Christ's death, and he was speaking to his disciples. And Jesus had told them in the verses before what we're going to read that he is going to go away for a temporary time. And, and Peter, being Peter, you know Peter, if you know the Bible, Peter's that guy that says, go get him. I'm going to go get him. And Peter says, I will never deny you. I will lay down my life. And Jesus says, Peter, watch your words, because you're going to deny me how many times, church? One, two, and three. That's right. And he says, you're going to deny me. And Jesus was not talking about going to a place eventually they couldn't go to, but for the temporary time, he said, I'm going to go to a place you cannot go. And he's talking about his death, his resurrection, and of course, his ascension. With that backdrop, I want to answer this question, is Jesus really the only way? And how does it apply? Not just cold hard truth, because it is true, but how does that warm the heart of a believer no matter what culture you're in? If you'll join me in standing for the reading of God's word this morning, as we look into John chapter 14, we'll start in verse 1 and read through verse uh, 7 particularly looking at verse 6. John says this, he says, Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. This is ESV. Uh, You may have the King James that says mansions. If it were not so, would I not have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And I'm Thomas. I'd be more like Thomas than anyone else. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me or through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father. For now on, do you know him and have seen him? Our big idea today is simply this is that the scandal of Christianity is that there is only one way to heaven, but many roads to hell. That's what Jesus declares in this passage. Let's pray as we start off this morning. Father, a tough topic for the world, easy topic for Christians. But Father, as we know, there are many in our lives, even co-workers and friends and family, that do not know or embrace this truth. We know that the, the, the field is tough, the, the hill is tall. It's, it's wide, Lord, but Father, by your strength, I pray as we apply this to our lives, I pray that you help us to have great wisdom to do it to your glory and to your honor. Father, as we often pray, we pray for those in our lives, our family, our friends, our neighbors, co-workers, whomever it may be, that do not know Christ, that Father, in these days, that as we stand for truth, Father, not pig-headedly standing for truth, but with boldness and love girded up around us with your Spirit's power, may you help us by your grace to share that message with them. Father, we pray this all for the glory of your name, for the sake of your Son, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, we're just going to look at three simple things, guys. Uh, I'm back to the uh, very brief PowerPoint. I was at the Southern Baptist Convention this last week, and so PowerPoints are starting to come back as we get into it. But three things we'll look at today is we're going to look at Jesus is the only way to God, Jesus is the only way from God, and Jesus is the way, only life in God. Let's start with that first one. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus says it very clearly here. You can't mince words with Jesus. I love this. He says, I am the way. It's kind of like fathers, when, you're, when your kids get in trouble, you say, no, I am the dad. I am the one. And you say, that's me. It's that great Greek phrase, ego a me, I am. And it, we could spend a whole sermon series studying the I am statements of Jesus. But it isn't religion that's the way to the father. It's not ritual. It's not church attendance. It's not baptism. It's not anything else but Jesus. That's it. No more, no less. 
You know, the liberal theologians like to come alongside of this and say, well, pastor, don't you agree that John was written 50-some years after, 40, 50 years after Jesus died? And isn't it true then, if that's the case, pastor, that John is writing what he believes to be true, but not necessarily what the others believe to be true? What rock did you come out of? That is not true at all. Friends, this is not John looking back over trying to plug loose holes into the arguments against the gospel. This is the truth of what Christ has said from beginning to end. You look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, you look at any place where Jesus has spoken, Jesus is utterly clear. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. And this way, the word here could mean path or road or track, but it supposes two things. It means there is a beginning. There's a road that starts somewhere, and there's a final destination. The first starting point was that we are in sin, but the end point is is that the Father reigns above. Friends, I just want to remind you today as a first practical point is that if you're a Christian here today, the irony of the gospel is this, is that the only way to be worthy of the gospel is to admit that you're completely unworthy to receive it. That is the gospel message. If you ever find someone who says they are a humble person, have you ever met someone like that? They say, yeah, I'm a humble person. Dude, your pride just got in your way. You are the least humble person there is. But we have to remember that the entire human race is separated from God. That in the very beginning, Adam sinned. And Adam sinned, and that has come down to every single one of us from birth. We have to be reminded that when Adam sinned, he was walking with God before and talking with God. But when he sinned, there was a breach in that. There was a, a, a way that was broken. And it is our sin that has separated us from God in heaven. It is our sin that has done that. Jesus came then just not to show the way, but to be the way back to heaven. You know, some religions out there today will tell you that Jesus is just a good moral person. He was a great teacher, a a wonderful communicator. But friends, if that's all he was, then he could be a great speaker. You know, there's a lot of politicians who have terrible character who are great uh, rhetorical people. They're great speakers. They can engage a crowd. They can get you riled up, but they have no truth behind them. There are a great many pastors that do that too. There are great many, lots of people who do that. But Jesus, being the perfect Son of God, provides the only way to life through death. How does he do this? How is Jesus the way back to the Father? First, we have to remember, folks, that Jesus was sinless. He was sinless. Jesus never sinned. When Adam, the first guy on the earth, failed, the second Adam, Christ, obeyed God's law perfectly. Everything in Christ's life was perfect. Can you, fathers, wouldn't you like to have that child? Wouldn't that be your perfect child? You know, Jesus did everything perfectly, and he he really did. It was his sinless life that prepared the way to the Father by his own obedience. Please do not buy, it's been 10 years now, but don't buy the book Dan Brown wrote that was, um, I just lost the name, Da Vinci Code, that came out that said Jesus married someone and had kids and sinned. Friends, that is Hollywood hogwash to the nth degree. If we believe that our Savior ever sinned, then what difference does he have that, than from us? Nothing. He can't be the way. But because he was sinless, the way back to the Father first came through his sinless life, and second, by his sin-bearing death. Upon that cross, because he had not sinned, because he's the perfect Son of God, he bore our sins, he took them on. Like that old uh, that sham wow. Do you remember that thing? 
the ShamWow, that great scene on TV where you could pick up anything and just rinse it out really fast. Natalie and I got some of those for our wedding, and they're good because our basement flooded a few times. You have to rinse that thing out and suck up all that water. In an inf- more, infinite more way, Christ took all the sin and he gathered it up. And it, not one drop of sin fell out of that death that he had on the cross. Friends, it was perfect. It was great. There's nothing in it that was even less than what Christ intended it to be. Romans 5.11, we rejoice in God through our Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That is the great truth about Jesus being the only way. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. With respect to our Catholic friends, this is why we do not pray through a priest, church. This is why we do not, ha- that's why we don't have a confessional booth with respect to them to believe what they believe. This is why we do not have a confessional booth off by Meg's piano over here. Aren't you glad for that? Because friends, we can go straight to the source. For there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Can I also say this from the pulpit publicly? This is why we also do not worship as we do one leader in the Pope. Friends, we believe that Christ is the ultimate head of the church. That is it. Be careful of mixing Roman Catholicism with your faith. I know that touches a lot of family ties. I'm not trying to say they're not sincere, but be very careful. Friends, this is why we broke off, Martin Luther did, from the Catholic Church, because we believe that through Christ and Christ alone, there is faith and faith alone. Amen? That is the truth. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Christ says he's the narrow way, and that's the second application point. We need to remind ourselves today that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and there is no other substitute anywhere to be found. It's not the head of the Catholic Church. It's not your pastor. It's not your Sunday school teacher. Husband, wife, it's not each other, even though you should adore one another in marriage. Single person is not finding the perfect mate someday. Uh, it's not finding the perfect job. It's nothing but Christ and Christ alone that we need to remind ourselves there's no other substitutes. You know, I love it when you check into a hotel or something and they're like, hey, you're just here at the right time. You get an upgrade. Uh, I I was listening to 88.5 the other day and the announcer said he was flying back from Washington and he just went up and they were trying to ask people to get off the plane and he said, I'll I'll, I'll bump off. I'm not in a hurry to get home. But if you gave me a seat in first class, I might take that seat. And the lady looked at him and said, it's your lucky day because I'm going to give you that first class seat just to get out of my line. And he got that first class seat. Isn't that great? Substitutes are nice, but there's no substitutions for who Christ is. There's nothing, nothing that can substitute for Christ. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Friends, there are paths that are glittery, that are gold-laden, that are great, but ultimately are like that wide path to destruction. It is a narrow way that is Christ. And there used to be in Jerusalem, and Blake will check, fact check me on this, please. Blake's our resident theologian here. He's the good guy. We're going to miss you in about three weeks when you have your last Sunday. But, you know, there used to be a small door in Jerusalem that you could enter in, a very small door in the very back, if I'm not understanding. If I'm, he's smiling, so that's a good thing. I'll keep going. But there's a little door in the back of Jerusalem back in the day they could sneak in. And, you know, the big gates were the gates, the wide gates you see in the movies that they often try and go through. That's the wide road that leads to destruction. But there was a little door in the back, a little 
mouse hole door bigger than that that you could enter in through. That's the narrow way. Do you know Christ today? Friends, are you okay to be identified with that narrow way? As Christians, we have to be able to say that, yes. It is okay for you to stand up in this culture and say, I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, I watched an interview in preparation for this uh, on YouTube of two different people, one being a popular prosperity preacher and the other being John MacArthur. And Larry King, is Larry King still alive? I think he is. Some of you know Larry King. Uh, He's a terrible character, but great, great interviewer. If you ever watch interviews with him. And he asked the same question to him twice, back-to-back nights, about 11 years ago. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? And the popular prosperity teacher said, well, you know, it's not my place to judge people. You know, I just, uh, as long as you're sincere, I think God is good. And, and John MacArthur, bless his heart, pray for his ministry. He stood up and he said, no. He said, it is through Christ or Christ or nothing. And that's it. And Larry King, being the good interviewer, said back to him, so you're, what about other religions then, John? What about those people? What about them? He said, look, it is only through Christ and Christ alone. And that's all I can say because that's all that we hold on to. That's all we know. And Larry King backed away. And on the other interview, the other guy said, well, I just think if you believe hard enough, then you, you just believe what you want to believe. Yikes. Friends, that's very scary. If you know Christ, rejoice today, Christian, that you have the truth. People have given their lives, as we sang in those words, for this truth. And let our love be with sincerity. We have so many people, so many people in our churches who split over many things. And one thing I can report to you from the Southern Baptist Convention this week is that for the first time in many years, I saw our, 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 uh, our convention come together like this, humility around the gospel. Look, there are people in other churches who believe the foundational things we do, but we may say, you know, they do it a little bit different. Are they really Christian? Can I encourage you today, if they know the foundational things, we need to unite with them. Look, we're going to split hairs over some things, and we should on some issues. I agree with that. But this is love, that we come together as a church in this time to believe Christ is the only way. Amen? Christ must be the standard by which all opinions are measured, and that is the case. But if our love and our tolerance are wider than the Bible, then we got it wrong. But if our love and tolerance are based on what Christ has said in the Bible, then we get it right. And friends, that means sometimes we link together with like-minded Christians across denominational spectrums. But let us hold out the right hand of fellowship because Christ is the only way. Christ is the only way. That's the longest point. Let's move on to number two. Jesus is the only way to God, but secondly, he's the only truth from the Father or from God. You notice that word there, and. You may be wondering why that is there. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, the way and the truth and the life. That word and is a connector, and it's the way that truth and the way are bound together. You can't enter the way apart from the truth. Look, you can go down a lot of highways, but if you go down the highway that says it's a road closed, you're probably going to be in trouble, right? You want the truth with the way. And friends, the only way you can be sure you're on the right side of history is to be on the side with Jesus. That's the first application point. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you have to be on that right side of history with Christ. If you're here today, know that Jesus is the exclusive teacher and revealer of truth. There is none other. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or Christ. Friends, every word of God of scripture is true. What a great thing that is. He is the author of the Bible. 
But what is truth? Those of you who know the Easter story, remember Pilate asked Jesus that truth. He went up to Jesus uh, behind the scenes, and, and Pilate said, what is truth? And Pilate wasn't asking as a humble seeker. Pilate was saying that in a kind of a snotty, like, ugh, what's truth? Well, the truth is that the way things are are the way things really are. Truth is not what you make of it. Truth is how God defines it. Truth is not a subjective thing that you come to. Can you imagine that? You know, they teach in businesses today, many of you have been through these seminars, that truth is relative, that truth is based on the situation that you are in, that if you have an angry customer over here, you, you just tell them the truth that they're going to get whatever they want until they calm down, right? But if you have someone over here who's been through some bad things with your company and, oh, I'm sorry, the rules say this, get out of my hair. Situational ethics is what they call that. Friends, there are no situational ethics with the truth that Christ is king. He's king everywhere over every square inch. He is king, Christ is, over the capital of ISIS that's being attacked right now. King, he's king of the penguins in Antarctica. Christ is king on everywhere. That is our God. That is our great God. But what is truth? Truth has to come from a source. And God is the author. He's the source. He's the de- de- determiner of truth. He's the governor of the truth. And he's the standard of truth. That is Christ. I hope you know that is a reassuring thing to you as Christians. Because how often do we go through this life asking, is this the right thing to do? Well, Jesus says what is required is that you believe that he is the truth. He is the truth. Flip back over a few chapters to John chapter 3 with me, will you? Please, John chapter 3. I want to look at verse 14. I want to illustrate this in a different way. John chapter 3 and verse 14 very familiar verses, but I think ones that really hammer home what it means to believe in this truth. John three fourteen through 16. Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the ser- serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And this is that great verse, the most well-known verse of the Bible, perhaps. But, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that Whoever, whosoever believeth or believes in him should not perish or will not perish, but have eternal life. How many of you were confused when there's a guy at the Chiefs game that always wears the John 3, 16? Have you all got, you ever seen that guy before? Uh, that's the best verse to wear if you're going to, I guess, go shirtless. But notice one thing that can be said here. Jesus does not say to believe in his truth requires good works. Jesus does not say to be a good person, to be in heaven. Jesus does not say join a church. If you believe these things, you will do those things I mentioned, but faith alone in Christ saves you. What does it mean to believe in Christ? Let us be very clear here from the pulpit. To believe in Christ means you know that you're lost. You can't save yourself. That Jesus has come into the world to save sinners, of which you and I are the worst. And it comes to a place where you recognize your sin You confess that sin, and by confessing, that doesn't mean you hold a press conference and say, oh, oops, I'm sorry, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I'll never do it again. What it means to confess is that you agree. The word there literally means you agree with Christ that your sin is as bad as it is and that he is holy, and you commit your life entirely to Christ. And there's one thing I forgot to say in there, repentance, repentance. What was the first words that Jesus said? Blake, what were the first words Jesus said? Repent. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He didn't say pray this prayer. 
He didn't say, come down the church aisle. He didn't say, get baptized. The first words Jesus said about his truth is, repent, believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean to repent? Repent means that you turn away, you do a 180, you do a U-turn, you, by God's grace and his spirit and his call, you turn around and you believe that Christ is it. Christian, do you remember that moment for you when you repented and believed the gospel? Some of you know the date and time when that happened. I, I remember I was, uh, I was at William Jewell uh, not too long after that, and I remember that time when that happened, and you remember that. Hold on to that. But please know, just because you know the date and time of your repentance does not mean that you're not going to stumble. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall. But to believe in Christ is to repent. And Christian, can I tell you today that that one-time repentance that you did was not the end-all to your repentance every day? Christian, you have more sin in your life than you realize. I have more sin in my life than I realize. And we have to go before the cross each day and repent and say, Lord, I am sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, If you want a prayer about how to do that, go read Ezra 9. Read that this week in St. Louis at the conference. And, you know, they talked about how their, their sin was above their heads and how their sin was so deep, but God's mercy was so strong. And flip over to John 3.36. I just want to show you this verse. What does it mean to believe in Christ? It means you throw yourself on him, you cast yourself on him, because this is what Jesus said. Whoever, or John the Baptist talking about Jesus, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Look, the second application point is this, and this is going from C.S. Lewis, and I added another one here, but Jesus is one of the following. He is either Lord of your life, He's a loony, loony lunatic, he's a liar, or he's a legend. Look, he's either a legend that you believe that this is just some fairy tale that we believe in, and and that's who it is, or he's a liar that was a swindler and and made the, uh, uh, those people in Vegas who kind of talk you into things look pretty bad because he was the ultimate liar, or he was just crazy. And who is this guy? Who's this guy that claims to be God? Who walks around claiming to be God? Or, or... He is the Lord. Who is he for you today? Who is he for you today? Friends, to believe in Christ means that you believe that he is the Lord of your life. That is hard to do in today's culture, I know. But if you are a Christian, can I just encourage you today, the greatest hope that you have is not found in anyone but Jesus Christ. Friends, as your life wavers like this, the only constant in your life at times, sometimes, most of the time, all the time, is Christ. He is Lord of your life. He is the truth. This is why, as a church, we go back to what the Bible says. But Darren, you're a Baptist, you're a bad, worse, you're a Southern Baptist preacher. You're supposed to say that, right? Yes, but the Bible says it. Friends, this is why when we as staff, when we as uh, committees, when we look at things, we don't just say, well, what does that other church down the road do? What does what is the up and coming new trend in Christianity today that we want to see, or Relevant Magazine, or Charisma Magazine, whatever's out there? We go back to what the Bible says, and you pray that we always do that. Because look, if 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 Blake had it right, we'd all be lifting weights. If if I had it right, we'd be eating pizza and running. If Matt had it right, we'd be playing. I don't know what Matt would do. Matt would be playing video games and watching. He would be doing all sorts of things. And if Judy had it right, we would all be set right because she would get us straight and in a line. <laughs> but together, we come together, as we did at 7 this morning, and we look at what the Word says, and we want to see what it says, and we know Christ is true. So if something comes along and 
doesn't sound right to our ears and we check it against the Bible, it's not right. We want to deal with that. We want to deal with that because He is the truth and He is the way. Friends, if you're here today, I just want to remind you there is no salvation except in Christ. And that means for us as Christians that we do good to the souls of all that do not know Him. There are billions and billions of people, many you know, many you rub shoulders against day to day. And we ought to feel for them if we're a true Christian because we have to pray for them. We have to work for them while there is yet time. Christian, do you really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do I? Then let's live as if we believed it. Not in some moralistic way, not in some way that, you know, moralism will come, but let it be a gospel-centered way that as we count up our relatives and our friends and our coworkers one by one, that we think about how many don't have Christ, that we labor for them in prayer, we, 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 we don't get settled in our hearts till we know they know Christ. Now, I don't mean that in an obnoxious way. Please hear me. Don't be obnoxious for Jesus. Be intentional for Jesus. Be prayerful. Be bold. Be loving. But be not content with them just being socially acceptable to you. Don't just be content because they seem to have it all together. Don't just be content because they are good-tempered or courteous. But be unhappy until they come to Christ. Be unhappy in your soul until they can proclaim that I believe Jesus is the way, He's the truth, and He is the life. Friends, I don't want this to sound like fanaticism. I don't mean this in some way, but often we get so turned off by those who are so on fire for Christ that we just say, okay, you want it? Go get it. When often, if there's anything I'm sure of is better than a quiet indifference in this world, then it's to be intentionally praying, God, who is it that you would have me talk with? Nothing in my mind so proves often our lack of faith than we don't have a broken heart for the spiritual condition for those around us. And I say that from the pastoral point of view because even as a pastor, I can slip out of that mode. You pray for me in that side. Let's end with this. Christ is the way to God. He's the only truth from the Father. And lastly, lastly, He is the only life in God. He's the only life in God. Look, if Jesus is the only way, He is the only life in God. And just right from the bat, right from the get-go, friends, if our teaching here does not center on Christ, then our teaching offers another way, another truth, another life, other than the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we're all about being gospel-centered here. That's why we want to do this as a church. Fathers today, are you praying that your family would be gospel-centered? Are you praying that your children would be gospel-centered? Are you praying that your wife would be gospel-centered, sir? Wives, are you praying that for your children and your husbands? Are you praying that for your grandchildren and your uncles and your nephews? That everything your family does is about Christ. Now, I've, I've told you before, I grew up in a family where I, my father's a hardworking man. He worked for almost 40 years at the uh, General Mills down the road, and he would work the night shift, drive an hour from Plattsburgh to downtown, K, or East Bottoms, downtown KC area, drive back. He did that for 40 years nonstop. He's a hardworking man. My mom was the only Christian. My mom faithfully prayed for us each and every day, and I know that. You pray for my father that he would come to Christ. He, he needs Christ. But my mom still prays for her grandkids. And uh, by God's grace, when we, I was baptized my niece just a couple years ago, Riley. And, and you pray for that. Sometimes it takes years. I, I rejoice that my father is good friends with my home pastor, Robert Shelton, and they are getting to know each other better. He's going to church weekly, and he's attending. He's doing those things. You never know what a faithful prayer can do. You never know. But if our prayers, if our teaching does not center on that church, then we're off kilter. 
pray that we're on kilter with that. But Jesus says he is the life. He is the life. There's no other life but this one. There's no other life. This is not the physical life he's talking about here, but the spiritual life only received by faith in Christ. Look, this is not mere human existence, this life, but it's supernatural. It's divine. It's the life of God himself. Friends, do you want to know what life is all about? Jesus prayed it in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God. Christian, today, can I ask you, on a Father's Day weekend, a couple weeks before a holiday weekend, what is the purpose of your life right now? Many of you started, is anyone still doing any New Year's resolutions? Anybody? One hand goes up. Matt, you are the man. Thank you, sir. You know, most New Year's resolutions stop as quickly as they begin, don't they? Friends, I pray as you check yourself here in a couple weeks, it's hard to believe we are halfway through 2016. Halfway through. Six months ago, we didn't have baby Isaac of Matt and, and Rachel. Almost a year ago, we didn't have baby Ruby for Matt and so, many, so on and so forth. We have other babies getting ready to be born in our congregation as well. But do you know how quickly life goes? Maybe this day you need to ask yourself, you say, Darren, I know the truth. I know Christ is the truth. But maybe you need to ask yourself this question. Halfway through 2016, am I living for Jesus as I wanted to back on January 1 when all the confetti fell and all the, well, if you're like me, you were sleeping at midnight when all that happened. I don't know. But is your life today, is your prayer, God, I want to live my life for you. If you have gotten off that track, praise God, there's mercy. Amen. If there, you've gotten off that track and need to be reoriented to the life of Christ, then know that is there. But when it says he is the life, what this means is there is nothing worthwhile apart from Christ. You can do a lot of things in this life. You can do a lot of great things in this life. But nothing matters unless it's centered on who Jesus is. Say, so Darren, I've heard that all my life. I know that. You're not telling me anything I already don't know. But is it reality? Is it reality? Is it reality? I'll end with this, but the gospel, friends, is not one of many ways to God. It's the only way. Every path leads further, yet further away from God. What do you do with other religions? What do you do with sincere people who right now are, are fasting a thousand times a day? What do you do with Jews who are waiting, some of them, for the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem? And what are you doing with Hindus who are trying to live? For, I'm not being facetious here, but you know, if they had a bad life, they become like a pig, and they become a pig, they become... What do you do with people who think lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, they can get it right? What do you do with Buddhists who are trying to hit nirvana, who are trying to get a clear conscience, or Hare Krishnas down east at UMKC who every Saturday at 6 o'clock on the plaza will, will chant the Hare, Hare, Hare Krishna, trying to get that vibe going. What do you do with Unity Village down the road with sincere people who believe that, well, you believe something, I believe something, but we just all come together and sing Kumbaya and it's all good. What do you do with that? Friends, you pray, you pray, and you pray, and you share, and you trust that Christ is the only way. Look, I am a Southern Baptist preacher. I'm already pig-headed and narrow-minded, amen? And even more so saying that Christ is the only way to heaven. It's easy to say it here, but friends, I pray for each of you. Some of you are walking in environments tomorrow on Monday morning that are very hostile to the gospel. To even, act, to even say what you did this weekend, what was the sermon talking? Well, Jesus is the only way to heaven. What? You believe that? 
where are you at, man? I mean, this is like the 21st century. Our minds have progressed. We're better than anyone else. We, we have more knowledge. Scientifically, we're growing. People are living longer. Oh, yeah, but we're also getting and murdering thousands of unborn babies every day. <laughs> we're also uh, letting the, the poor and homeless go without any representation. Friends, I mean, fill in the gaps. This culture tells us we're advancing so much, but really we're just cycling back the same sins that have been there forever and ever. Friends, every path leads further away from Christ. Would you pray for those people around the world? Pray for your missionaries. Praise the Lord that it was reported this week at the Southern Baptist Convention that you as a congregation and with 50,000 other congregations gave more to international missions than has ever been given anytime, anywhere on the planet. Amen, right? Pray for your missionaries. Pray for Dave Elliott, who spoke here in December, who's over somewhere I can't talk about. Uh, If you get his emails, you know where he's at, but he's over somewhere. Pray for one of our military men who's serving overseas right now. Pray that the gospel goes forth wherever they are. That is the way it is. That is the way it is. And if you're here and you say, man, this is way too much Jesus for me. You know, I love what what, uh, uh, Martin Luther said. He said, the reason I preach the gospel to you each week is because you so easily forget, Luther. Friends, how easily we forget it. If there's one purpose I have for this sermon today, I just want to let you rejoice that Christ is king. He's he's king over everything. Rejoice in that. And pray for pastors across this nation. I've talked talked to several pastors this week who uh, were from small churches around all the nation, and and church pressure was coming in. You know, uh, one pastor I talked to, I mentioned, um, he was from Arizona. Uh, He mentioned to me, he said, said, Darren, he said, you know, our church is getting mad at me because I'm preaching that Christ is, is king and Christ is the only way. It's in a very progressive area of around Phoenix and and he said, you know, would you pray for me that I stand true in that? And this is a southern friends, this is a southern Baptist church. Pray for churches that we stand on the truth of God's word. Pray for that. Because friends, guess what? We're gonna share the gospel here every week. Amen. We're gonna share the gospel here in our songs. We're gonna share the gospel with our kids. We're gonna share the gospel in our offerings. Everything wants to point back to be gospel-centered. Why, Darren? Because that's trendy in young evangelicals. Yes, it is. Let's be honest about that. It's catchy, gospel-centered, Christ-centered, Bible-centered. Why do we say it? Because it's catchy or no? We say it because that's what Christ said about Himself, and that's why we do what we do. If you're a Christian here standing on truth, be strong and courageous, be immovable, for God will bless your faith. If you have struggled with that, by golly, praise God that he gives strength even when you are weak. But friends, when we become tired of preaching Christ and we become false teachers, we've become very false teachers. You know, I'll end with this. They said as a pastor, one of the easiest things to do is preach a sermon because all you got to do is tell them what God said. Amen? I hope that's easy, but often it's hard. Thank you for being a prayerful congregation. Thank you for being a congregation that shares and loves and stands on the truth of God's word. Friends, that will be tested. It may not be now. Many of you may pass in the years to come before that happens, the years down the road, but it will be tested. Pray this congregation and your family stand strong that Christ really is the only way, really is the only truth, and really is the only life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. This is a... Uh, classic reality of Christianity because, Father, we know this is true. Father, I, I know there may be some among us that have not embraced this and we pray that we come to Christ, but, Lord, I pray that everything we do goes back to the fact that Christ is the only way to heaven. Father, we sincerely do pray for all those religions listed that 
Father, that they would come to know Christ and Christ alone, that through missionaries, through local believers, through indigenous church plants, through whatever it is that Christ would be upheld and made known well. Father, thank you that even when we don't present well, your Spirit still uses our fear and our trembling. Thank you, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Father, but it's foolishness to preach this message. But Father, I thank you that for those, uh, Father, it's foolishness for the cross. It's the message of salvation for us who believe, 1 Corinthians 1.18. Father, thank you so much. I pray for each dad in this room. I pray that you bless their socks off, Lord, today with their family and friends. Father, I pray for those who have lost a father today. I know those are real. Those who have lost a father in recent years. Lord, we pray for strength on this day. Father, for those who are trying to become a father who cannot get pregnant, Father, with their, with their spouse, I pray that you would be with them and help them to trust in you for that timing. Father, I pray for those today who have uh, had a terrible human father, earthly father, who've been hurt by someone in a fatherly role, that they would just, re- just rest and rejoice that you, the Heavenly Father, are perfect and you will no wise cast anyone out who comes through Christ the Son. Father, I thank you that we can pray all these things in Christ's name because there's only one name this prayer is heard, and that is Christ alone. We pray this name in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come this time of offering, or time of offering, woo, come this time of ending, if you'll join with me in standing as we close out in God's word today. you've done.